This is the AZ Brandcast, where we explore Arizona's brand and the brands that make Arizona. I'm Mike Jones. Hey, everyone. Thanks for another episode of AZ Brandcast. I'm Mike Jones, your host today. Uh, And today I'm super excited to have two amazing Arizona business leaders and community builders here in the Valley. We've got Rick Dirks and Matt Dirks from Dirks Moving and Logistics. I'm very excited to have both of you on. Rick is executive vice president and Matt is vice president of business services for the company. And Dirks, if you've not heard of them, which I think a lot of people have, if you're from the Valley, from the Arizona area, but if you're listening in from maybe another part of the country, maybe you haven't heard of them. um, They have actually grown into Arizona's largest moving and logistics company, and they serve both residential and commercial clients here in Arizona, and I believe even outside of Arizona. Is that correct? Because obviously you got to move stuff. Worldwide. Yep. Worldwide. Um, so Rick and Matt, thank you so much for coming on uh, the thank show you. today. Thank you. Mike. Excited for this conversation. So I'll just, I'll let you guys start. Rick, uh, maybe you start. Um, just give us a little bit of background about the company, what you guys do, who you serve, um, and then we can introduce that way. Okay, Sure. Um, we are 31 years old now. Um, we started off, my brother and I, Chip, started the business back in 1990. We've kind of grown and evolved from what once was really predominantly a family residential mover into much more broad-based. Now we do a lot of those kind of moves. And you alluded to earlier where we do it, we do it all over the world. So our, our most of our customer base is Arizona, but we handle moves anywhere. But we've now grown into, come into a lot more commercial moving, warehousing, um, logistics, internet fulfillment, a lot of other things now that, you know, with the supply chain like it is, the demands have changed greatly in the market. So we're trying to keep up with it. So we do a lot of things besides just moving people now. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, And Matt, just kind of give us your perspective too on that and what you've seen over the years. Yeah. uh, So I came into the business uh, full time about nine years ago. Um, almost exactly nine years as well. Um, and just just the change, you know, growing up in the business, knowing about it. Um, we've been a van line agent um, since we began, uh, which uh, allows us to network with other agents um, all around the country. Um, there's hundreds of us. There's thousands of trucks on the road. But uh, the evolution of, um, as Rick said, our our primary business line was residential moving and how much that's evolved. Um, even since I've been here in the last nine years, uh, that product mix, you could say really changed. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, we've, we've grown with the market here in Arizona and, uh, just tried to be available to grow with our customers and find a service line that, that allowed us to grow with customers and provide more, um, more opportunities, uh, for the business as a whole. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, it, it, as you've seen that kind of the, the service lines have evolved and grown over the years, what would you, I know you talked about, you know, the customers kind of driving that. What do you see in the market that has kind of driven that, those increasing demands and those different asks that you're getting? I think one of the real big things is just the need for space in the industrial mm-hmm. warehousing market has exploded and I mean, we're, we're pushing a half a million square feet of space ourselves. A lot of people don't realize that we're in the warehouse business and logistics involves warehouse. I think the the biggest probably uh, change has been in the market change and the pandemic has really accelerated that a lot that yep. people 
people buy from home and they need warehouses to distribute this stuff from. So we've really gotten involved with that. We've gotten really involved with with health, the healthcare industry just needing product on the ground because as you know, we all know now, it's hard to get product uh, into the United States, into Arizona, et cetera. So we've been uh, seeing, we've been kind of riding that wave. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about kind of what happened last year um, as the pandemic hit and as you guys looked at impact to your business and to your customers. Um, I know we've talked in the past a little bit about just how that opened up some new opportunities. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we, we've been partners um, with a few of the larger healthcare companies in Arizona for years, um, done residential moves, um, commercial moves, things like that. And uh, what we saw uh, in 2020 was um, that a lot of the healthcare providers, hospitals uh, are a just in time model. Um, just in time, meaning, uh, we order stuff knowing that we're going to get it right when we need it. And it goes straight out to the site and a lot of times delivers straight out to the site. So, um, although there's distribution centers, some of these products go straight to the hospital, straight to an urgent care, whatever it may be. Um, COVID changed that they, uh, they were thrown a curveball, and all of a sudden this, this just in <laughs> time. One. Yeah. And this just in time wasn't just in time. Um, they, I mean, the, the time wasn't there, uh, when everybody is ordering the exact same item, uh, it, they just couldn't get it. They couldn't get the product. So as an example, one of our, um, one of our customers orders a, um, a brand of gloves. Okay. And they usually, uh, for large hospital, large network, they, they go to two brands and if, if they need it, sometimes a third brand, um, where they, they just kind of check down the list. Well, uh, in 2020, they were going on to number nine and number 10, hmm. um, just in order to get this product with everybody um, ordering everything at the same time. But uh, where we saw an opportunity was the warehousing part of that. Um, having a backstock uh, is a necessity now. Um, it's not, it, it used to be a, a want of a lot yeah. of these providers <laughs> and now it's, uh, they have to, um, because you know, something may, may pop and, and they need products and, uh, they need a lot more of it than they ever did. So we saw an opportunity, um, to warehouse, um, distribute these goods. And, and one of the things that's helped us in the market here in Phoenix is, um, there are warehousing companies there are, mm-hmm. um, quote unquote logistics companies, um, but being a provider that can uh, that can provide more than one service. So not only can we warehouse the goods, we can deliver the goods. Yeah. And not only can we deliver the goods in large 53-foot freight trailers, we have local trucks that can get mm-hmm. into downtown locations and um, can make um, deliveries to an urgent care, which, you know, and, and it's pretty hard, as we know, um, to deliver with a big big freight trailer in some of these places. So um, to have the local trucks, to have the local manpower uh, to do things like that's kind of differentiated us. Yeah. I guess yep. I could say. And that's pretty much what what he's talking mostly is the PPE. I mean, there's, we've yeah. got, I don't know, 10,000 pallets worth of PPE for hospitals. <laughs> so it's a, it's a, it's a big number. The other thing I'll add to that too, that, that really changes having good partnerships with corporate mm-hmm. accounts, doing other things. Um, we got into a business we would have never dreamed of getting into is we've actually been the ones kidding the majority of COVID test kits. <laughs> so uh, a couple of partners, ASU, Snorquest Labs are both two of the largest providers of the COVID mm-hmm. test. So we've had, we've set up um, programs that we've kit. Um, I don't even, I can't even tell you the number, but it's a couple million mm-hmm. uh, of the kits. So it's because we already had a partnership going with them and we did ancillary services. Um, suddenly we found ourselves, can you do this? And we said, sure. Yeah. And you kind of figured out as you go. So the pandemic created 
a lot of challenges, a lot of opportunities. So it's very interesting. And, and you know, we're a maybe a larger small business, but the um, the flexibility of our staff, the flexibility of our offerings that we can pivot, go in a different direction, and, and assist where is needed is is been huge and and really mm-hmm. paid dividends in in 2020 to allow us to help our customers. Has that been kind of a a unique attribute of the company for quite some time, that ability to kind of adjust and flex to different clients' needs? You know, I've I've only been around the yeah. last nine years, but uh, what's exciting for me and, and really, um, I mean, even to step back farther is I, I wanted nothing to do with the moving business. <laughs> um, it's it's not the, the, the sexiest business, I guess you could say, but um, what's fun about it and, and the reason I jumped into it and have gotten, you know, all the way in uh, is we're not scared to grow. We're not scared to do something different. Uh, we're not scared to take risks. Um, and you know, sometimes they work out, sometimes they don't. Um, but risks, <laughs> yeah, that's exactly why the risk, but a no lot of risk, people, no reward. Exactly. Yeah. And, and a lot of people just flat out won't, yeah. won't grow, won't take on more projects or more space, um, whatever that may be. And that's, what's, what's truly exciting. We're, we're kind of an old fashioned business and you know, old fashioned business models. And actually one thing, nice thing having Matt on board is he thinks of it a different way and all that. And we're willing to tackle things now. The downside of that can be, as we learned the pandemic, we were one of the types of industries that a lot of what we do was helped by the pandemic. A lot of industries obviously suffered yeah. greatly, but um, so we accepted a lot of things that we normally couldn't, yeah. and it can close to come close to bearing you. So Matt's had a yeah. share of challenges <laughs> just because we yeah. we do have a culture to say yes, and we've learned hmm. we can't do that or else you can't provide the same level of service. Um, when you just don't have the resources, do it. And and we all know about the labor shortages and product, yeah. you know, all the shortages out there. It's it's created a whole bunch of challenges. But it's also it makes it fun to, you know, strap them up and go to work in the morning. Yeah. Is, Got know, something new going on yeah, today. What's going to hit us today? And you, you never know what's going to hit you. So that's kind of fun too. You don't get bored. Don't that's, get bored. Don't get true. bored. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I know, you know, especially last year and probably moving into this year, you've seen a lot of kind of upheaval and some of these opportunities within the healthcare market. Have you also been seeing similar type changes in other industries as well? Yeah, what I'll, what I'll comment on, because it's kind of my, a lot more of my world is the the house em, employee relocation side of our mm-hmm. business. So moving families because companies are moving them, that came to a screeching halt. Yep. Because with work from work from home, um, company said we don't need to bring this employee, move them from Chicago to Phoenix because they're working home anyway. So yeah. that business was down about fifty percent. That's crazy. It's now coming back. Yeah. But what's been interesting is the residential, the the consumer business has gone off the charts. Oh, I believe the, it. And the industry can't doesn't have capacity right now to manage it. It's been a, yeah. a rough summer for the moving industry as a whole because we don't we have less trucks than we've ever had. People don't want to drive a truck anymore. Yep. But the demand has been off the charts just because people go, oh, I think yeah. I want to move to Oregon. Or yep. they do it because they want to. Yeah. So that's created tremendous uh, tremendous pressure. So that's one, you know, we didn't expect it. And they're you know, kind of, you know, the rules are changing as you go. So one business dropped off, the other went crazy. But the net result is it's still up. Yeah, that's, been interesting. that's just nuts. Yeah, nobody could really forecast that pent-up demand. You know, we, yeah. we knew people weren't obviously moving, but... Nobody saw it was just going to explode. The explosion. Once people I mean, were ready. I, yeah, I mean, there were stories all summer long of you couldn't get a U-Haul in yep. California. You know, yeah. the people were flying to Las Vegas, drive an empty U-Haul back to California to drive it back to some wherever yeah. they're going. Yeah, even I think tail end of last year, we were, or maybe it was earlier this year, 
we were on the U-Haul site actually doing price comparisons from different cities Mm -hmm. and even just seeing like what happens when you flip like you know San Francisco to Phoenix what's the price for the U-Haul and then what is it from Phoenix to San Francisco or from Austin to Phoenix and trying to kind of figure out like where are people moving um, as kind of like a little bit of a market research uh, yeah and the, yeah, the, the the normal flow, which is in in fact the flow is into the Sun Belt states yep. as a general rule, yep. and the the exodus from California, you know, right in and with. We had another interesting situation because the containers, the overseas container mm. market, that's changed yeah. so much. Um, with so much of the product coming from China and from Asia, mm-hmm. we were finding that what it used to cost to move a container to China could be upwards of twenty to thirty thousand dollars. They're giving it away basically because they need empty containers back in China. Wow! Because there's so much pent up demand, so much product is is yep. made there. And I mean, you hear the stories of, you know, there are up upwards of thirty full container ships sitting in the port in yep. the harbor, Los Angeles Harbor. Yeah. Because they can't unload them in time. So, yeah, I mean, I've I've ordered multiple new things. Like we replaced our refrigerator at the beginning of the summer, and ooh. we had to wait I think twelve <laughs> weeks before it would finally could be delivered and installed. Um, and then there's been a couple other things I've ordered that are similar type. Yeah. Type we all things. feel it. We yeah, all everybody's it. feeling it. Everybody is feeling it. There's just this pent up demand and a backlog of of availability. Yeah, this, the supply chain, the people in supply chain have had uh, had their hands full. <laughs> yes. You're in that. You're in that field. It. They are. They are busy, busy people right yeah. now. <laughs> have you seen um, even that supply chain shifting in terms of? Like people trying to pull more manufacturing or at least like warehousing to the U.S. versus maybe when they would have kept it in China until that kind of demand, you know, that request was there. You know, yes. The problem is the labor. There's yep. lack of labor. Yeah. Like everyone has an ad to they want to do it. Yeah. Some are doing it, but it's hard. Yeah. Because now you need people to build the stuff. Yep. I mean, a simple example is chlorine tablets. <laughs> um, there's a shortage of chlorine tablets, and part of that was uh, I guess. One of the major suppliers had a fire or something, but oh, okay. all it takes is, you know, yeah. some positive COVID tests and it shuts plants down. So yep. I think it's happening, but it's happening much slower. And you might have a better perspective this year. I think your... it's been um, you know, manufacturing's a long process. Mm-hmm. It takes it takes a long, long time to bring that back over here. And I, I, there's probably a lot of country or a lot of companies that want to do that. Uh but I think companies are ordering more goods mm-hmm. and wanting to store them. Yep. That would make that sense to me. Um, before yep. it used to be, um, that was a, a lost cost. You know, that was, um, you know, dead stock. We've all heard that. Um, and now the, um, you know, the, the, the build time, the, the shipping time, all of that is, is also just, you know, lost, lost revenue or um, additional costs. So, they were going to store more goods. Mm-hmm. So we've seen that with some, what we do some furniture installation um, dorms on campus at ASU, yeah. student living, things like that, where uh, normally these um, products are manufactured, you know, overseas, obviously, and they could bring stuff over and it was, you know, four to six weeks to get an item over. Well, now it's 12 to who knows how yeah. many weeks. And, and the, it's more of a question. And, uh, um, I, I think they're having to order more product or, or just plan ahead. You yeah. know, we're receiving these goods months in advance just in case. You yeah. never know what's going to happen. Well, that same, the same company you're talking about that we'd work with, they manufacture their torn furniture in Vietnam. Mm. Uh, they had a COVID mm. spike and the plant got shut down. Yep. 
It's interesting. I think one of the other things that's, you know, to your whole point about manufacturing here, that's going to be really interesting to watch is TSMC, mm. which is a big deal coming yep. to Phoenix. Obviously, the size of that operation, you know, the Taiwan Semiconductor yep. Manufacturing Company. And as they build their factory and they're going to have somewhere, they say 150 suppliers here. Will they be able to build it in the scheduled time they want? Will they be able to employ it? I mean, it's going to be kind of interesting to watch because yeah. that's, that's a lot of people. That's and, a lot of and people. Can we support it? It'll be kind of fun yeah. to see. And, and another thing that's happening for Arizona and what's helping Arizona is even though that product is manufactured overseas before it was shipped into Long Beach or, or a different port in California, warehoused in California, and then shipped from there, companies are finding out that it is it is currently cheaper to receive the product on the port in Long Beach truck it to Arizona, store it in Arizona, <laughs> and then truck it back to California if it needs to. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I mean, the, you know, the west yeah. side um, and, and northeast over by, by Falcon Field, you've seen this explosion of industrial warehousing and buildings and companies are finding out that, uh, you know, this is a really good place to have these distribution centers. Um, it's, you know, a six hour drive to LA if it has to go to LA, but we're also closer to to the Midwest and the east. So, the the logistics, the distribution, the um, what we call third party logistics for other companies, we're seeing that that's just you know exploding and and it's as we found out uh, earlier this year, it's very hard to find land, to find buildings, to find space to grow. Yeah. Um, there's some very 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 large companies coming in and, yep. and snatching up a lot well, of that we, land. We built what 15 years ago. We built our main building. It's 110,000 square feet. That year, that was one of the 10 biggest buildings they built in Phoenix. Hmm. Now, you know, you better yeah, be over a million square feet. If you drive on the 303 now, it's amazing the size of the buildings. They've gotten just Thank enormous. you, Amazon. Yeah, yeah Amazon. thanks, Amazon. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's crazy the number of big buildings from all the yeah. exporting goods and DJ Maxx's and Targets and Walmarts. Yeah. I mean, it's we're a hub for that now, which yeah. is great for the Valley. Have you seen over the years that just, you know, the real estate, you know, our, our prices obviously tend to be lower than a lot of other places, especially when you compare to like California or new york or something like that um, have you seen that be an advantage to some degree in terms of expansion or even just with other companies you're aware of not just your own expansion but you know that, when, that when there we, is land obviously you know right now it's it's there's it's a little competitive <laughs> right yeah you know when we warehouse goods a lot of customers uh want to pay by the square foot that mm-hmm. they're going to use in your facility so um you know we pass on there's obviously some overheads some things sure. like that but oh, you're yeah. paying 50 to 60 cents a foot in Arizona, um, you know, the, the, um, the warehousing provider is paying that. It's a lot easier to charge less than uh, California where yeah. it might be Fontana or something like that. I heard the other day it's a $1.50 to $1.70 a foot. That's incredible. Well, I mean, that's, that's yeah, three times the price where you yeah. can find out that that, okay, that does make sense that you can transport it back and forth um, and still save money. But we're, we're a investor in GPEX, so we're kind mm-hmm. of, you know, in the, the loop, I guess, of what company companies are coming out here and what they're looking for. And it's interesting because we were having a little more trouble competing with the Salt Lake Cities and the Austins because yeah. we were cheaper, but it's our land it's, has it's changing. Starting it's definitely changing. So we still do really well versus California mm-hmm. and even, you know, the Seattle's of the world, but we're having more trouble competing because we're 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 gaining at a faster yeah. rate against yeah. some of these other markets, you know, the Denver. Denver is a very expensive market too. Yeah, it is. We're catching Denver. Yeah. And they have um, some geographic limitations that mm-hmm. I think impact some of that pricing, just like a coastal city would, right? Absolutely. Like there's a there's a limit to like how how 
much like a San Francisco or yeah. even in LA now mm-hmm. with how much they've built up, you know, like they can't really expand from a, you know, outside perspective. Sure. They can only go up. We're, we're really saying we're, we were talking to some folks about land in Tucson hmm. and we're even seeing that is uh, that's kind of the next hub that companies yeah. are seeing. And <laughs> it, it was cheaper. And uh, all of a sudden it, it's not, Really? You know, yeah. it was it was definitely uh raise your eyebrows when you see Well Casa Grande. Yeah. I mean yeah. Casa Grande yeah. is it's it's growing. I just saw there's two developments, you know, of like two thousand homes each going up south of Maricopa a number of miles. It's like that's 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 happening yep. down there too. So I think in the distribution world and the warehousing world, location is not you know, mm-hmm. location is important, but to be fifty miles or seventy miles away is yeah, not it's not it's not a big deal because you don't need as many employees to run a warehouse and you know, it's the cost of land that seems to be the big driver. So yeah. you see the lucids and some of those people going into smaller markets. It's cheaper, yeah. cheaper land. Um, just to shift gears a little bit, Rick, I'd love to kind of hear your perspective on just how the company started in some of those early days of, you know, getting things going. I'm sure it was, uh, I'm sure it was fun, and I'm sure it was, uh, it was hard work. Well, what's, what's what I what I look back because we we actually just talking about this uh, a couple weeks ago. My brother and me is. I was 30, he was 31 at the time, and we thought we knew an awful lot. And what we realized, and you know, you kind of walk in, we, we did buy an existing company, so they had employees. Okay. So we had to kind of walk in the door almost acting like we knew what we were doing and <laughs> almost be a little bit of show off. And it's kind of funny when you reflect back on, on that, how little you really knew. And you kind of, you know, they talk about new business going by the seat of their pants and all that. Well, we didn't think that was us at the time, but now we look back look and back. we go, that that was absolutely us at the time. And, you know, you don't know what you don't know. But I think the good news is we've, we've always had a mentality, learn, learn, learn. Hmm. And there's just a whole lot more of it in, in the early <laughs> years because the company we bought had, had a lot of issues, hmm. which normally when you buy a company, they're for sale no more times than not because there's some kind of distress. Yep. Yeah. In fact, it was it was funny. The I mean, I think to this point, really a, a a good story. And that is, first weekend we moved. It was May of 1990, and we hit 100 and like 18 degrees. So it was, it was the hot of the hot right then. We we had moved to California. The first weekend we bought the company. So we bought these trucks. I mean, they were used crappy trucks. I can tell you now. Uh, but we took one of our new trucks to go move a freezer for my brother's father-in-law, thinking, "Oh, we're going to take one of our new trucks." 118 degrees, whatever. The heater. Um, there's no air conditioning in the, any yeah. of the trucks we bought. The heater was stuck in the on. Oh, so our no. first experience, one of our trucks <laughs> was hotter than yeah. you know, a blast furnace. And we looked at each other and said, what do we get into? <laughs> so it's it's been all good since then, I yeah. guess you could say. Cause, it's all cause up from there. <laughs> it's all from there. But yeah, so we, we had a, a lot of learning experiences mm-hmm. and, and you know you, you grow every day from yeah. it. That's, you know. that's incredible. What were some of the challenges of just kind of coming into a business that already existed. I'm sure even from a culture standpoint, there's things that, you know, you're like, man, I, we got to shift this, but you've got people who are maybe still thinking in the old the old way. I, I think what we've learned, because we've bought about a half dozen companies since then, mm. we've learned more times than not, the people that are there don't last. Yeah. And not necessarily their fault because yep. they're not our people. So you find that over time you turn them over only because we do certain things a certain way and want to do things a certain way, and they, you have people that that don't. So I think when you walk in the door, you think these are our people. And I, I I love them all. I want to make it work. They've experienced. They understand what they've got, but they don't know our culture. 
Mm-hmm. So it's it's been interesting every time we do it. Um, you kind of find that those people that were there just, you know, generally speaking, yeah. it's not a long-term marriage. Yeah. And yeah, they came in from a different culture and a different set of values. And, yeah, exactly. So it's really hard to to manage other people's people. Yeah. <laughs> there, there's certainly some exceptions to that, sure. but we found that I think. And but again, we didn't realize it at first, and it probably took to about the fifth acquisition. Because mm-hmm. even now, we buy somebody, we have a, you know, we want to make everybody there ours. Yeah, it's hard. Yeah, because they 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 think a different way and all that kind yeah. of stuff. So uh, maybe maybe if you're open to it, share a little bit about kind of what. What is the culture at Dirks? What makes that unique and special and how you guys think about doing work? It's, I think it's cliche, but <laughs> we talk about the Dirks way. Yeah. Uh, and it, it really, um, you know, there's no definition of it, but yeah. it's uh, doing it the right way and doing the right thing. Um, you know, a lot of, uh, you know, still our primary or core business is moving families, moving their goods, um, moving treasures, you know, mm-hmm. the things that they've had their whole lives and uh, having making sure that employees understand uh, whether they've been in the moving business forever or they haven't, they're new to it. Um, understanding how emotional that is for having, uh, you know, this, this company that you hired that hopefully you did your research and, and you know a little bit about them, but that's, you know, that's another story for another time. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but, but when you use a company like that, we come into your house, we pack everything up, we load it on a truck and we drive it away. Yeah. I, everything you own, everything you know is in that truck driving away. And, um, Things, you know, we, we want them all to go smoothly, but, um, you know, moving, moving somebody's goods across the country, some things happens, accidents happen. Um, it's, it's instilling in our, um, our customers or in our employees from all levels, you know, from the, from our uh, crews that are on the street dealing with the family to our customer service people, um, to even our accounting people that have to collect money, um, knowing that we want to do the right thing, you know, things happen. Uh, and something may go wrong, but, but we need to have that emotional aspect to have that empathy to, uh, to know what somebody's going through when they're moving. Um, you know, there, there's, is it the three or four most stressful things <laughs> in life? Yes. Three uh, death, three. death, divorce, moving is yeah. such yeah. a generally. Yeah. Is. Um, and to have that understanding, you know, you might be, our, our coordinators might be working with 20, 25 moves at the same time, but having that empathy and, and um, just having that respect for customers and, and to know what they're going through. Uh, that's, that's huge. And, and all, all levels of business, all yeah. lines, not just the folks dealing with customers, but, um, but all of our employees really expect that out of them and, and that we're going to do the right thing. And sometimes it costs us money, yep. um, but we're going to do the right thing to make sure that uh, customers feel that we, we treated them properly. Yep. Um, and as we all know, the, the best customer or the best, uh, referral, um, yep. you know, is, is such a, a big base of our business and, um, and your best, have, your best salespeople are your best customers. Exactly. Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. 100%. 100%. And, well, and anybody that's moved professionally and moved well, and it's gone well, I mean, they're, they're never doing it themselves again. <laughs> I can tell you that for sure. <laughs> yeah, it's not cheap to do it, but yeah. it's, yeah. it's worth it. You know, when when you at least have the money to do it. We just had. I think the other word that I use to add to that, because yeah, we do talk about Turksway a lot. But the other thing is the family environment. It's and again, it's really a cliche, but we just we have a new uh, we have an operation in Tucson. We just hired a new general mm-hmm. manager, and I was on the phone this morning. And how's it going so far? He's like in day four. He <laughs> says it feels like family, which that's that's, awesome. that's exactly what you want to hear. When someone's starting is yeah. the, the atmosphere feels family. And there's, you know, our, you know, a lot of family businesses have a lot of family in it, mm-hmm. but we have three. Mm-hmm. 
You know, we got two of them here and my brother. Yeah. So we don't have a lot of cousins, nephews, everything yeah. else in the business. Yeah. But to have them say that is, is one of the real compliments I yeah. that I get when I hear that. I feel good about that. Yeah. That's great. That's awesome. Um, talk to me a little bit about just how you guys have seen partnerships play out as kind of a means of growing the brand and maybe both from a reach standpoint, but also how do those partnerships as you partner with another brand, how does, how does that, how has that played out for you guys? This is the, the community guy over here yeah. uh, who's on just about every board there is. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I've heard. Well, and if, I guess if you're talking, I, I mean, there's so many different kind of partnerships yeah. out there, but I, I do believe very strongly that you want to, you want to, you know, hang your shingle from good brands to be with. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I don't want to be with a brand that's 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 not good, but most most are, I think, yeah. in most organizations. So whether it's a company that we might do some kind of sponsorship with, or if it's someone involved in the organization, or if it's a customer, I mean, I, I think they're all partners in one way or another. Mm-hmm. And as they go well, you go well. Um, but I, I also I just don't think you can know enough people in this world. Hmm. The one thing about our business is we're not we're not a consumer brand that is a known consumer brand because you don't you don't need us very often. Yeah. People don't move very often. So you we can't advertise, you know, like the McDonald's of the world, obviously, because there's no need for yeah. in fact a funny it's thing not like is, you're calling up Dirks every day. No, no, no. That in <laughs> fact in fact we're we're an agent nationally for Mayflower Van Lines and United Van Lines. Okay. And so when it comes to the residential where we have a tendency to use those brands because mm-hmm. that's who people know on the the commercial side, the logistics side, then Dirks is a local yeah. brand, it's a little better. But I'll never forget about twenty years ago we were sponsoring the Coyotes and you know, a lot of companies they want us to advertise with them. Mm-hmm. And we say it just doesn't work well for us. We don't get a return from consumer advertising. Well, the Coyotes had an approach, and that's back when you had you go to a game and you buy a program you mm-hmm. know, for a buck, whatever. Well, we had an ad, a full-page ad in the program, and our ad was a pretty good offer. It said, if you get a free moving estimate for Dirks, you don't have to move with us, but get a free moving estimate from Dirks, um, you'll get a free autographed puck from your favorite Coyote player. And that's the days of Keith Kachuk and Jeremy yeah. Roenick. They had some real name guys there. That's a good deal. It's a good deal. We got zero calls oh, zero no. so we learned people don't go to a hockey yeah. game and go hmm, i think i'm gonna go get a moving estimate yeah. <laughs> we, le- we learned a really good yeah. a good lesson that you, you have to be just be careful who you market to and partner yeah. with and all that so yeah that's a good that's a good kind of inverse lesson yeah of just those partnerships and making sure there's there's a real win-win on both sides and it really does make sense i think it's the the evolution of the partnerships too mm-hmm. where uh we may um do a lot of work um with asu mm-hmm. and uh you know doing moves on campus and and the trucks on campus and uh we we laugh about we'll walk into a building or or i used to walk into classes and i would see a dirks box in the corner <laughs> um you know where we have a box that doesn't need tape that's foldable, collapsible, but it just pop up when you need a box, you get a box. And, um, you know, you don't think of marketing in that way or that that's, that's a marketing spend, but how many of our boxes are on campus sitting around campus. And, uh, when somebody sees on the side of the box that, Oh, they actually do, you know, they're here on campus doing move here, but they can move my home too. Uh, and we can, they can do a local move. They can move me to the other side of town. They can move me to another university, uh, or they can move my lab or, you know, mm-hmm. just that, that partnership, that evolution, um, treating customers well, they go on to another, uh, company I'm dealing with a customer right now that, uh, 
brought a um, opportunity to us that used to work with another client of ours. And now they've gone on to a new, new business and they said, Hey, you know who, you know what? I think Dirk's going to help us out with that because they did so well over here. Uh, makes my life easier, especially on the, the, the corporate <laughs> side. You know, our, our goal is to make their life easier. Yep. Um, anybody who's moved their office and knows what a headache that is. And if we can make it a little easier, it really goes a long way. And they, and they trust us for even more things. Yeah. We've got, we've estimated that we've provided a issue of 300,000 boxes. That's incredible. We said we probably provide about 10,000 boxes a year. So there's yeah. a lot of them out there. I think something to just final point kind of on that same thing is we have, or I've got a saying that I, that sits by my desk is help others get what they want and you'll get what you want. And I really believe that, that, uh, mm. you know, and use a as an example, again, it might be something purchasing. I help him with his problem it has nothing to do with moving. Mm-hmm. And that will come back tenfold as a general rule. If you, if you help other people with their solutions, whether it's what you do or not, at some point in time, it's going to be remembered and they're going to go, aha, now I need a service. Can you do, I mean, a great yep. example I talked about earlier doing the kidding, that was exactly what happened I think, with ASU. We have done so many things with them and worked with them, and we've done a lot of warehousing with them. So we've been side by side at the yeah. table talking about solutions. It's a real partnership. Yeah, and they said, hmm, I wonder if you guys can do it. Yeah. And we said we can do it, and it, it helped them. Mm-hmm. It helped us. So I mean, it was a true win-win. It needs to be a win-win or else it's a short-term issue. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's just not going to work. Yeah. Um. What has made just being in Arizona, I know we've kind of already touched on this a few times, but what has made being in Arizona, having the company here, what what advantages have you seen or what has just made that just a really good fit? You started and I got something after. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, we, we just, I think it's the evolution of the Valley. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's it's just changed so much. Uh, and Growing up here and, and seeing that, and uh, I guess I'll call myself a native. I was um, moved here when I was five or six years old, so I think that's that almost makes you an Arizona yeah. native these days. Um, I get the card, I think. Yeah, yeah exactly. Oh, you, you lasted twenty five summers. Here, here's your card, <laughs> and you're still here. Yeah, uh, the growth and and the partnerships that we've that we've um, that we've had, and and yeah, I, I think. Um, maybe eight, 10 years ago, you didn't see the startups, you know, that, that was a, a California thing or, or maybe even, um, uh, on the East coast and seeing those startups, you know, popping up here and, and being able to, to, um, provide service to them. And, and as we've said a few times is grow with them is really one of our, one of our, um, business models that's worked is, is kind of, uh, attach yourself to these, uh, these companies that are growing. Um, but, but just seeing the the growth, the change in the valley, and and um, you know we we created an East Valley uh, mm-hmm. division as well. Just to we've always been uh, Central Phoenix or on the on the west side where there's some more warehouses. But we we've grown and tried to um, have more offerings to the East Valley because we see some customers coming to this side and and being able to be on both sides. But um, I think it's you know the like I said the partnerships and and the growth of the valley and the the evolution of commerce. Yeah, um, <laughs> is is just it's grown tenfold and yeah. still growing. Well, it grows huge, and what I I think to me the coolest thing about being an Arizona company for what I do, which kind of being the community guy and the sales leader, is it's a big small town. Yeah, um, it's I mean I've been in it for thirty years, so I've seen obviously a lot of growth, and I've kind of grown with it. But anybody that wants to get involved with this community can get involved with this community. I've done quite a bit of mentoring of younger people. It's like how do you know how do you know as many people as you know 
And the answer is it's taken time, but mm-hmm. it's not hard to do if you want to do it. It's it's really amazing um, that if you want to get ingrained, there isn't the good old boy network that that a lot of markets have. Yeah. And and it's really truly it's inviting. I mean, yeah. in the business climate, is anybody that wants to get involved can get involved. And I think that's such a cool thing. I would not want to do business anywhere mm-hmm. but Arizona just for that reason alone. Yeah. Because I know I have a base of people I can always turn to. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I've definitely seen that, and obviously I haven't been in business for as long as you yeah. have, Rick. But um, I've definitely seen that same. Like, if you want to be involved, you want to just even meet people, and there's certain people you're like, mm-hmm. oh, I'd, I'd love to get in contact with them. There's probably somebody in your network that knows them, and people are very open. Mm-hmm. I found that um, probably a little bit more than some other markets, and it's just you know probably a reflection of also the size. We're not like you know a New York City or an LA. Mm-hmm. Where it's just impossible to know everybody, but yet we're five, we're five million people, so we yeah. are we are a pretty. We're big getting market, there, and we're now yeah. I think fifth largest in the country, yeah. and fastest growing of the top. Kind of one of those. Cities. Nobody really knows that. I know it's crazy. <laughs> it's a it's, a, it's an, a secret, but it's on national news, so yeah. it's kind of weird how that works out. None of us, <laughs> maybe none of us, want to believe it. Yeah, yeah, yeah and I, I've always wondered too if there's an aspect of like just so many people move here from other places. So there's kind of an element where like everyone's trying to kind of build their. The, the, their network, their community, the relationships. Mm-hmm. And so there's a little bit more openness and maybe it's not quite as like, you, know, you go to a New York city and it's like, well, there's, there's family, a lot of people who've been there generation after generation after generation. Yeah. It's a great point. It's so. very, it's very established. But the downside of that is if you're a sports fan, it's hard to have a lot of the hometown <laughs> sports fans. Yes. You don't have a lot of people from the hometown. Yes. Yeah. So we got to keep working on that. Yeah, so you got to win some championships. That's yeah. how, that's how you build some some and hometown. Uh, then the bandwagoners become yours. Yeah. So <laughs> I was excited to see the Suns get there. Yeah. And well, you had some, some outsiders, I guess yeah. you could say, jump on the bandwagon and yeah. actually get behind them. It's, yeah. Because the Suns were that. truly the original team and they, they, do were. Have, they do have a hardcore following from the, yep. the longtime residents. So it was yep. fun to see that kind of blossom again, yep. bring the new people on. Yeah. 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 They're, they're, I don't know if I should admit this. They're probably the only local team that I really follow. Um, yeah. Some of that's more just constraints of time and what I can invest my energy in. Well, I will say, if if you grew I love up the Suns, if you grew up in Arizona, it was pretty tough to be a Cardinals fan. Oh yeah, you know it really was. It really was. So I changed a lot, but yeah, yeah. yeah I let anybody. You yeah. root for another football team. I understand yeah. it. <laughs> Dimebacks were good there for a little while, yeah. and they've had yeah. their moments. Yeah. Um, but the Suns are. They've got my heart. Yeah. Well, I think it's it's just interesting, too, with like ASU. I've always been a big ASU football fan and how the way the stadium that holds 70,000 people that was filled in the 70s yeah. when the market was, you know, whatever, 1.5 million. Now we have 5 million and we've downsized the capacity. I think that's a reflection of, yeah. you know, a lot of people. It's, you know, the the churn of people mm-hmm. coming and going, Yep. you know, is, is yeah impacts that hugely. It do, it really does. Yep. Um, but from a business standpoint, you can still get into the core mm-hmm. business community. That's which is the, really the great thing about it. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, I'd absolutely agree. Um, so I've got one more kind of serious question. Yeah. <laughs> what's next? What's next for Dirks? What are you What are you kind of looking ahead at, or what's coming up that you're getting excited about? Talk to the next generation guy. <laughs> <laughs> That's yours. <laughs> the the first up uh, I, I mentioned earlier, we we open a new division, what we call business services. Uh, so we have a new operation, Tempe, 
Um, and that allows us to service the ASUs and, um, you know, the Camelback corridor and, and some of those, uh, opportunities and and longtime customers that are in that area. So we, uh, mid 2020, uh, added 60,000 square feet, uh, Mm -hmm. here in Tempe. Uh, and that's the business service division, just as commercial moving deliveries, um, no household goods whatsoever. No, no residential moves come out of that, that facility. Um, and then our core, um, household goods facilities is like we said earlier in central Phoenix. Uh, and then next on the horizon, uh, hopefully any day now, uh, we will open our new logistics facility. Mm. So we, uh, we currently have a logistics facility, um, the West side, uh, just under hundred thousand square feet. Uh, we are upgrading that and opening a 250,000 wow. square foot facility. Um, like I said, any, any day now, yep. um, Speaking when you of get the supply chain delays, handled. yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, as we've talked about, yeah. So that that facility will open up, um, mm. hopefully in the next month or so. That's really exciting. Uh, yeah, two and a half times our That's crazy. Um, our our footprint there uh, allow us to uh, do food grade business, which okay. is which is big and a growing growing market yep. uh, here in Phoenix. Um, and then just you know, grow from there yeah. is is really the goal. We see that logistics, that distribution, finding that, that niche, um, being able to do, um, not only warehouse products, big projects, but but then deliver the goods out, um, having the manpower, having the trucks, having the, the, um, the staff and the capacity to assist. Well, fine. And a big, a big segment, uh, that's a growing market was called final mile, which is getting Mm -hmm. it to the customer. And one of the neat niches that we have in our world, as opposed to the, the general trucking and freight companies is we have we have our drivers and helpers are used to dealing, interacting with people. Hmm. So when you, when you deliver freight to grocery stores or whatever, you're going yeah. to a loading dock to a loading dock, you're not interacting. Our people are used to going to people's homes, dealing, go back to, Matt talked about the emotions <laughs> and all that. Yeah. It gives us a nice end to do a lot of services that, that other people can't. And, and you're finding that now with home delivery, mm-hmm. not only do you deliver things at home, appliances, things, you have to set them up and do things that. So it takes a, a more specialized, person to do and i think yep. that the growth of that is continues to be tremendous yeah and there's a level of customer service in that interaction i mean i can even think about you know the, the two guys that dropped off our fridge and put it in and mm-hmm. they're interacting with us they're interacting with my kids a little bit as yeah. they're you know moving into the house yeah. and like that's that takes a certain level of training and skill it does um, that's and very different than just dropping something off right yeah and, and to have that that's that's good to hear and those that you know that's that's some great people behind because a lot of times um doing deliveries doing those final mile deliveries appliance deliveries they can be doing 10 to 15 deliveries in a day yeah and that's you know that really yeah that's that's some some tough work Uh, Mm um yeah we really really see that that's kind of the the growth Mm -hmm. pattern um that logistics that warehousing um that that side of the business and evolve from there um really that's really cool. That's why it's fun to get the second and the next generation because I think we consider ourselves to be pretty innovative, at least for our industry. And now that we've been doing it for 30 years, you lose a lot of that. Yep. You know, you get older, you know, I hate to admit it, but you get older. <laughs> um, and so it's it's fun to have, you know, we've got some younger people involved that have ideas that my brother and me might shake our head and go, what are you talking about? And it turns out to be great ideas. And so that that's the fun yeah. to watch kind of that next level. That's fantastic. Do their thing. So it's fun. Yeah. That's great. All right. Uh, we're going to shift gears for our last question. 
it's gonna be a little funky okay so it's name 10 things uh i won't make you each individually name 10 things we'll just collectively so to uh, come up with 10, 10 between us oh. so 10 between you okay the goal is you know rapid fire off the cuff whatever comes to mind there are no wrong answers okay. um so don't overthink it although that's always hard but uh name 10 places dirks will never move someone or something <laughs> north dakota there, all right there we go <laughs> that's a, that's, kicking things off you know the the biggest the hardest part of moving somebody to a place is finding somebody else that wants to move out of there yeah so uh you know you can you can get a truck to north dakota yeah. but getting it back yeah not empty it's not coming back that's it's pretty tough <laughs> we'll is. never move someone into a mine <laughs> okay there we go number two well i like that i would say uh if it's over three stories we have to have an elevator so no no four five six six story yeah. walk-ups that's that's a good way to get your employees mad at you. Yeah. Yeah, we will never move anyone to the Arctic Circle. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. So we could say Antarctica. I, I I don't think we will. At least for the that. short term. Yes. Maybe people will we, be living We move there folks to Hawaii, point. but we don't drive. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to get a truck there. We will not move anyone to Mars, at least in my <laughs> lifetime. That's true. <laughs> I like that one. Although, probably could have a monopoly on Mars moving. You know, we could <laughs> yeah. take all those. So that's, I, that's the next generation. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, okay, I think that's only about six. I think we're about six. You got you got four more in you. They don't have to. They Probably will they not move. I would say we will not move anybody to Iran. Yeah, I was waiting for one of the yeah one of those type of countries to Afghanistan pop up. will be a while. I, yeah. I, would, I would think till they get <laughs> situation settled a little bit more. Um, before our days, you know, we're now in Tucson, mm. and so we would, you know, now and we're a partner with University of Arizona, so we're equal opportunity mm -hmm. university. But 15 years ago, you might have said we may not move somebody into the U of A. Yes. Uh, <laughs> but that's, yes. yes. But we'll that's, count that. We'll count that on the list. Yeah, it's changed. Yeah, a, lot of, a lot of Arizona State grads uh, in the family. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's kind of funny how when we hire people and they go, oh, man, we are one of our new vice presidents is a U of A grad. Yeah. And he thought he'd have a little problem and he's learned that we, we only have fun with it. So it's, yeah. it's all good. Um, got one more, one more of, I mean, I guess we could take a location and say, we will probably never move anybody to, uh, I would say, you know what, we'll never moving someone to Brazil. That's, that's a country people do move to, but we, we stay away from it. Yeah. Just, there's a lot of corruption of yeah. those people going in. So I'll, yeah. I'll kind of take, well, certainly not in a truck because I learned the other yeah. day that there's no direct route between Central and South America by land. There's no uh, there's no freeway that crosses all yep. of Panama. Yeah. You gotta, yep, you gotta you gotta do a boat through that canal. Yeah. So just jump the canal. Fast so it's not trip. the canal. It's it was fascinating. Yeah. Uh, the there's a number of reasons, but there is uh, the jungle and the mountains in the southern mm -hmm. part of Panama that connect to Colombia mm -hmm. are incredibly infested with disease like mosquitoes with disease really um yeah like they've tried to build roads in there and like lots of people die or wow. get really sick in the process um it's just really hard terrain there's a lot of rain so like roads don't last very long and then there's some political um unrest <laughs> well yeah. even just um so like for instance the cattle industry so mad cow disease exists in cows in South America, but not in Central and North America. 
And one of the reasons for that is that there is no connection point for the cows from South America to interact with cows uh-huh. from North America. Um, and so like that industry has kind of said, eh, don't, don't worry about building anything down there. Sounds like a logistics a opportunity. Though. I, there's a logistics opportunity. <laughs> uh, I, uh, I will, I'll just, I'll have to pray for whoever ends up <laughs> yeah, doing, taking that yeah. on. Cause it sounds nasty. Yeah, that's so, that's yeah, interesting. That's my, funny. there's my weird random uh, <laughs> insight into what I spend my time learning about. <laughs> uh, thank you both so much for coming on. This is a great yeah. conversation. Um, I think we almost, almost hit an hour, which is awesome. Um, is there anything in particular you guys want to plug or, or want to kind of give a shout out for, to our audience if they want to check out obviously go to the website i think that's a big one um so yep. if people that is uh dirks.com yep. d-i-r-c-k-s.com yeah is there anything yeah. else though that you've got coming up or any anything you're excited no about? but i i think just the you know keep in mind the unusual and i mean the pandemic has created a whole bunch of stuff and mm-hmm. you know with with challenges create opportunities so always think outside the box and and we like we like to do that. Mm-hmm. So if there's certain supply chain in general needs, and I guess yeah. what I'll say is we're very involved in the supply chain with with associations, things like that. Okay. So even things that don't involve what we do, yeah, we do you know interact with a lot of supply chain leaders mm-hmm. in the area that know a lot of stuff. Yep. So if anyone just wants to talk supply chain, we love to do it. We're really engaged at ASU with mm-hmm. their supply chain department. All it's 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 a it's a fascinating uh, area to be in right now because it's so upside down. Yeah. And they're making up the rules they go now. So I think that's kind of fun in their opportunities. That's awesome. I honestly, I'm just going to take a second and yeah. uh, say thank you to our employees. Mm-hmm. We we had a had a tough year, had a tough year and a half. Um, in a lot of good, a lot of bad, but um, been really busy as well. And we've all gone through labor shortages and staff shortages. And our mm-hmm. our folks that that have been with us are working really hard, doing a great job, uh, and just you know want to let them know that we appreciate them. Uh, moving forward. Great point. And low turnover, which is, you know, saying something, I think, in this yeah. market. It is saying something. That's yeah. definitely saying something. Yeah. I think it's a testament to the to the business you guys yeah. have built and the culture that you're building around that business and mm-hmm. how you want to serve people well. Thank so, you. Thank you both for coming on. Um, for our audience, uh, thanks for hanging around for another episode of AZ Brandcast, uh, where we delve into the makings of remarkable brands here in the great state of Arizona. Uh, Thank you all for joining us. Uh, If you want to find out more about our podcast, you can go to azbrandcast.com. You can get signed up for our newsletter there. You can find all of our back episodes. We've got lots of great conversations with business leaders from around the state. Um, And as well, you can find us on iTunes, Google Play, uh, Spotify, Pandora, all the great places uh, that you like to listen to podcasts. We are probably there. And if we're not, uh, send me a little email and we'll make sure we get it up on that directory. So uh, hopefully everyone is, has enjoyed this episode as much as I have. This has been a fantastic time digging into logistics and you guys and Dirks and company history. It's been really awesome. And to all of our listeners, don't forget, you are remarkable. The AZ Brandcast is a project of Resound and is recorded in Tempe, Arizona with hosts Mike Jones and Chris Stadler. It's produced and edited by Sam Pegel. Music is produced and provided by Pabrid, an Arizona-based music group. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, and at azbrandcast.com. If you'd like more episodes, subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you prefer to get your podcasts. To contact the show, find out more about AZ Brandcast, or to join our newsletter list to make sure you never miss another episode, check out our website at azbrandcast.com. 
Copyright Resound Creative Media, LLC, 2020.